like king time to write scripts or mm -hmm. shot lists. I will not ever allow someone to outwork me on that sense. Like I'll wake up when I'm up this morning, I, I check my phone, make sure if there's no emergencies and I'm open writing. And there was an interview with like Morgan Freeman. I don't remember what, it might've been inside the actor studio or something. And someone had interviewed him at one point saying like, and then you took some years off just to relax. He's like, took years off. <laughs> I'm taking years off. When I wasn't working, I wasn't getting hired. Morgan Freeman was sitting there telling, telling a story about how many times he's been on the ground, face down, people stomping on him, just, he's done. And then it just was a person that lifted him up by the shoulders, uh, put him back on his feet. This is Morgan Freeman saying this, yeah, okay? Like so one of the most powerful. prolific actors of all time. Facts. You know, I've, I've been in that position, just in tears, on my back, like, I can't do this anymore, I quit. Like, no one wants what I've got to say. And it's Ali that's like, nope. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Inspire to Inspire podcast, the place for actors, creators, and filmmakers to tune in to connect the dots in your own journey. On today's episode, I'm excited for this one, man. I'm actually really excited. Every episode, you're going you're gonna to get this excitement from me because every one of these guests I have true, genuine relationships with, um, they've actually made an impact on my life uh, in a powerful way. So today, on today's episode, we've got Nick Ritchie an individual who is the perfect representation of what it means to get things done. He casted me as one of the leads in the award-winning film called Lolo that was released in 2019 and currently can be watched on Paramount+. Plus. Have you ever seen a girl naked before, like, in person? I feel like you're nervous. <clears throat> no, not at all. At a low-income magnet school, I have seen my fair share of troubled students. <laughs> She didn't graduate. I was gonna go for my GED, but I got pregnant. If we were judged by the worst things we had done, then we would probably all be considered bad people. And within the past year, he has just released another movie called 1-800-HOT-NIGHT that has been in the press left and right. Called 1-800-HOT-NIGHT. I think they're gonna take me to a foster family, but I don't want to. I gotta go. No, 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 just wait, don't hang up, please. I ain't gonna I won't let her. And I won't let her either. You make your own decisions, kid. That's what men do. He not only directs, but writes and produces his own films. Ladies and gentlemen, we got Nick Ritchie, everyone. Thanks for having me on. How'd I do? I did great. That was is that great. good? That was is, that, is that solid, that was right? Very nice intro. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to, I'm trying to just make sure these people know they know who you are, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to so, have you uh, follow me around all day. And, uh, <laughs> I know. Just start documenting. Like, yeah. Okay. Uh, who's this meeting with? Okay. Yeah. You know who this man is? Okay. All right. So, um, man, I'm so glad you're able to come in today. Thank you, bro. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's great just to see you. I feel like you don't do it enough. LA, you mm -hmm. know, when you live in like different neighborhoods, it's, you might as well be in like different countries half the time. You just Literally. kind of get in your own Literally. bubble. And so, uh, when you hit me up to come in, I was, 
I was ready. Bro, bro, I'm I'm so thankful because here's the thing. I know, I know your schedule, like not down to the T, but I just know how active you are. You know what I'm saying? You're always writing. You're always in meetings, pitching shows. Um, you're developing your own projects, whether you're in production, post-production, pre-production. You're in some form of production. <laughs> Every time we catch up, we talk, we speak. And um, man, no, so, so just to kind of hit things off today, man, you know, uh, a question I really want to ask you is like, why filmmaking? Like what, what got you into this industry how did things come to you? And honestly, I want to know what's your why. I don't think I've ever asked you, like, truly, what's your why? Why do you even do this, man? Well, there's, there's like, I think it goes, there's, there's sort of like a bifurcated path. There's mm -hmm. path one, which is the spiritual path. I, I was always telling stories. Like, I, I mean, I grew up pretty pretty poor. <laughs> we didn't have video cameras or anything. Mm -hmm. and, and uh, But we had, like, a tape deck, and you could record right and so i would mm. record i have an older brother i have three brothers was it like the play and stop record you had to like record stop yeah, and like yeah, you know yeah you exactly. could like record and then you could play it back yeah and so i we said my parents still have these tapes I, I made these tapes called the adventures of ben and nick and it was literally mm. a just like a narrative podcast before there was podcast oh, <laughs> it, was, it was just on tape so we would we talked about you know just ridiculous stuff aliens living on the streets and we had characters and so there was clearly a, a part of my my being that was wrapped up in storytelling before i thought of it as any you know anything else or a potential career path i was mm. i was doing that and not aware of it mm. my grandmother was an actress she just passed away a couple years ago is a big reason i'm here today um there's, there's that side of it that I think is innate. It's almost like built in. It's in my DNA to some degree. Then you have to nurture that. Mm. I did not nurture that. I grew mm. up <laughs> stealing and, and uh, getting in trouble. Doing hooligan stuff. Yeah, stuff. And basically I was in college and I was, um, I was selling fake IDs to pay for college. I was, I was just broke. I had an internship. I was working at Red Lobster. I think mm. we've talked about this. Bro, before. Red Lobster again. <laughs> yeah. For those who don't know, I worked at Red Lobster for two years as a server before I got my first break at Ron Ray Donovan. But we got a Red Lobster story. It turns out saying? Red Lobster isn't, doesn't make you enough money to pay for college. So I, 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 was, I was selling fake IDs. I almost got arrested, almost got in really big trouble. And mm. would have ended up in prison. And, and um, I was like, this isn't what I meant to do. It's oh, you a, got caught. It's a, almost got caught. Okay. <laughs> almost okay. Got, okay. Caught. Okay. got brought in for questioning. My guy didn't roll on me. It turns out I never gave up anything. Yeah. We were able to get away, but they were playing the game theory where had I like, <laughs> had I given something up and I didn't know in the state of Oregon at the time, uh, every fake ID sold carries a one year sentence. No way. And I sold like hundreds. Yeah, I was like, you was over here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I wouldn't have gotten to yeah, it. Plug. Like, it was a plug. Long, even if I went for a year, if I got, you know. A I'm, day is too long. It destroys me. Yeah, yeah. it destroys my life, you know. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, so, so there was, I'll, I'll, t I'll take the less Byzantine route to this. Ba basically what happened was I saw, I was watching the Kids WB one morning, like right after this, and they were, uh, holding auditions to host the kids WB to be mm. like the guy in between the show going like next up is Pokemon. And, oh, and, lit. and like I, Saturday mornings. Yeah, I, so I love like, that. Fuck it, I'm going to go down there. And I went mm. down there and I auditioned, like went through three auditions and I got this mm. part like auditioning or, or hosting the kids WB. Mm. Uh, and it like reignited all of this, like 
I, I just kind of imagine this like dormant creativity sitting back here. But at the time, I, again, just grew up broke, grew up on welfare, you know, mm. wick, coupon, you know, go, go, go meat, cheese and eggs, you know, at the store type of thing. And um, I just wanted to make money. Yeah. That's all I could think of. Like make money, just don't be poor. Make yeah. money, don't be poor. That's what most poor people do. That's Absolutely. why they don't really get ahead, right? Mm. And why it's hard to get ahead is because you just, that's, you're like, just can only see like two feet in front of you. Um, and so all the creative stuff lies dormant. This reignites that. All of a sudden I'm like, I go back, I go into like an acting class. People start reaching out. Just tapping into the craft. Yeah, much. yeah. Mm. And there was kind of just some crazy scenarios that lined up in the universe. I, I got my degree in economics. Um, and, and while I was like finishing those last couple months of that, and I was taking acting class in Portland and I was hosting the kids WB, there's a cast director named Seth Yankelowitz, which you probably know. Mm -hmm. um, he came up at the time he was a cast director for 20th Century Fox Films. He just saw me in Portland and was like, I want you to audition for the lead role in this movie, Flicka. Mm. And I auditioned. I didn't get the part. This guy, Ryan Quantin, Quentin, who like was in True Blood and stuff, ended up getting the part. And, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. But here I was in Portland, like, well, this, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. So at the time I had a job offer to be a parametric estimator for Boeing in their integrated defense system. So I had like built up this mathematical skill set oh, um, and uh, had already done an internship up there uh, working on the uh, Jupiter Icy Moons Orbiter program, uh, which is just kind of crazy. I know it's like a crazy thing. Yeah, yeah. I did that my junior I've never <laughs> known this, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Out of all these yeah. years. Wait, yeah. what? That's yeah. crazy. So so um, I was I had a job offer at Boeing. I was going to go up there. Like dope job offer. Security mm -hmm. clearance. Like you're working with foreign governments. Like, you know, Air Force programs, things like that. F-22 Raptor at the time we were working on. Um, it was just, a, it, it was what I was going to do to make money. Yeah. Well, then guys like Seth Yankel would show up and be like, hey, come try to be the lead in this movie. Then this guy, Ed Johnson, comes to town and, and similarly connects me with someone. I think, man, I'll go to L.A. for a couple months. Mm -hmm. I graduate college May 8th. I drive down to L.A. May 9th. My job doesn't start until August. Mm -hmm. So I got this couple of months. I'm like, what's going to happen in a couple months? I don't know, but I'm going to come down sleeping on my friend's floor in a sleeping bag for 200 bucks a month, working at Red Lobster in Canoga Just Park. Just grinding out in the trenches. Yeah. yeah. The trenches. Yeah. And I got this audition, Gail Ann Hurd, who, you know, produces The Walking Dead and the Terminator franchise, Alien franchise and stuff. Mm -hmm. She held an audition. Her husband was directing a movie. Um, and I, I went and read for them and booked the lead role. Like within the first month of being in LA, month later I'm on a plane to Fiji making this movie dude that's actually amazing because that doesn't happen to for too many people that first come out to LA either no usually no. you know what I'm saying so that's actually a big blessing that happened at that speed for you you know what I'm saying it was a big blessing mm. I called Boeing I'm like I'm not coming mm. <laughs> I'm not gonna oh, and yeah. then I just committed my life at that point to storytelling and I'm giving obviously the abbreviated version of this there was a lot of other things going on I had, I had been writing creatively in college through different classes things like that yeah what I realized is that a, you know, as much as I loved acting, I really loved storytelling in a more general sense, even yeah. more. Yeah. And so that's what really like started to nudge me in the direction of writing. Um, I never thought I would consider directing. Um, and basically, you know, I, I had written this film Lolo, which mm. you start in. Mm. And while I was writing it, I just thought no one can direct the story, but me, this is, Mm. These are my girls. Like I yeah. grew up with these girls. Because like, Lola was based off some of the experiences from your childhood. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, that's mm. right. Yeah. So, so it was just so personal. Uh, 
and and I had no experience directing really, just some commercial stuff here and there. But really, writing was my first love. So Lola was life. your debut feature film. Yeah, yeah. First thing I ever directed, like by myself. Hold on, guys. Yeah, Hold yeah. on. <laughs> I have to hit a strong time out here. So before this podcast, right, I was just talking to Nick prior, and I was telling him I was like, out of all the shows and, and the movies that I've done so far, bro, Lolo was one of the most efficiently ran sets I've still been on to this day, especially with the budget that he had. Mind you, it, it wasn't no big budget type project, but the way things were operated, you would have thought it was. You know what I'm saying? That's why I, I wanted to just, I'm, 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 I'm flabbergasted because I forgot that this was your debut feature film, bro, and the way you had things operate on the set, the way you took care of us, in terms of the, the scheduling, made sense we ate good <laughs> you know what i'm saying we were we were we were efficient when it comes to the takes we weren't spending 10 15 takes doing scenes it just it, it it was just to me in my experience like uh your preparation for that film was amazing you know what i'm saying i'm not just saying that because i was in it but like i just want the people to know to really understand like yo like your preparation up to this point, man, has been so much like grinding it out. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to pursue. But I love the fact that like directing wasn't even something you were even focused on. But you're like, I know how I can tell this story. No one could tell it better than me. And for you to actually step to the plane and execute it, bro, man, <laughs> bro. If y'all ain't seen it yet, Lolo, Paramount Plus, go check it out. But continue the story, though. So no, you got I, well, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, that was, you know that's what a, I mean, that was a really big challenge to me. And I think it's also a testament to you guys that, I mean, there's, I think, I think the best leaders, and I always try to think about this, are the ones that like pick the best leaders to be around them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like mm -hmm. I, I think the, the insecure leaders want to just be the top and then they don't want to, they don't want anyone like questioning. Facts. And I, I think really great leaders want other leaders around them. Absolutely. It makes everybody better. Yeah. So strong Challenge team. them. Lift me up. Like, mm -hmm. let me get on your shoulders. I'm yeah. not, I don't know everything. And I, and I, and I didn't. And so I felt like I cast the best actors, you included, like mm -hmm. there was people, I mean, we talked about this earlier today before we jumped on the recording, the, the casting process is, is a, is a minefield of bad decisions. You know what I'm saying? Like, There's so much that's out of our control, man. Well, out of your control for the actors, but even from behind the camera sense, like just, just people that even you trust whispering in your ear, like trying to guide you to the wrong person. Like mm. it's just wild. Like, you, you know, for what, what, what example? It could be, but you know, Dom is, you actually have a big social media following, but let's say you don't for the mm. sake of this conversation. And, you, and I, I saw your reading. I'm like, oh, that's my guy. Mm -hmm. That's it. He's Benny. Like, this is done. Mm -hmm. Lock it up. And then some other guy walks in and he's pretty good. But he's got 100,000 followers on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I got people going, hey, you know, man, that, they start making excuses for the acting. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, no, you know. Now, you happen to have already been on Ray Donovan. I was a big fan of the show, but that didn't matter. Yeah. You just came in with your charisma, mm -hmm. and it was, that's my guy. Mm -hmm. No different than Adam, who's, you know, one of your best friends now. Yeah, my uh, guy. You know, play Memo mm -hmm. in, in, in the film, and he, he had never done a film before. Exactly. You know, this, this was his first, like, I think, really filmed project. Mm -hmm. And similarly, it could be very easy to be enticed to go another way, but the moment I saw him read those lines, no, that's my guy. He's you it. you He's went you character. went you went with who was best for the role and not based off numbers of a following because of X Y and Z reasons from other people. Well, and then I think all that stuff, 
matriculates into the other parts of the project. So you get on set and you have the best people there. Mm. So now that's running a little more smooth. They've been hired because they're actually the best people yeah. for the part and the best people for this set, right? Which is, which is a whole other, you know, or consideration, right? Yeah. That you're thinking about. And that, and that, I think that kind of decision-making, I at least feel grateful that I've never been afraid to make mm -hmm. in my life, who I'm surrounding myself with and why, you know, this DP was chosen, this, you know, casting director was chosen. These are my producers. And, the, and that's part of the reason why I think the set runs smoothly because all those people, including the actors, are there for the right reason. Absolutely. Right? That movie did not make you rich or did not make <laughs> <Yeah>. you rich. <laughs> but it was such a pleasant experience. Like, for example, um, uh, that was one of those projects where you're like, just as a, a creative, as an actor, you're like, Man, I, this is this is what I love. Like like you said, it, it did not make us rich, but this was one of our this was one of those projects where it's like, oh, I'm thankful and I'm excited to work with a group of people like this because right now this is one of those projects where it's bigger than the money. You know what I'm saying? The the outcome, the purpose, and what the message is and what was was being delivered here is bigger than the money for what the vision was, right? And being at a point now where it's like you've now been able to, 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 to take this momentum and now carry that into other projects, right? And like you said, being around the best people is so important because your first AD was dope. The camera operators were dope. The, the DP was on point. It's like on that set, everybody was a, was a working unit. Now, when it comes to 1-800-HOT-NIGHT, what was the experience with that? Because that's your most recent film. That's what everybody's talking about right now, where you're getting most, anything that has to do with your name right now, I know they're bringing up that movie because it's relevant. So what was the process like that, that set and making that movie? Well, we were in the middle of the pandemic and I was about to buy a house. Like I was about to buy my first house. Um, and I went and I, we actually put an offer on one house and, and we lost it. And we were about to look at another one. Mm. And I remember I'm driving home with my wife and like, People talk, people use this term like, oh, my ride or die person or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. whatever, you know, I, I, maybe, maybe not, you know, yeah. would that person like yeah. be around three years when you're behind glass or something? I don't know. Like, you know? Shit really does <laughs> yeah, hit the yeah. fan a little bit. Yeah, but Allie is truly that for me. She's mm -hmm. a true, true creative partner, life partner that just believes in our joint mission together. And we're driving home one night and she's like, what are we doing? Why are we trying to buy a house? And I'm mm. like, what do you mean? Like, I'm trying to have a roof over my head. I want to. I want to have a crib. I want to stop paying rent. No, you know, and, she, and uh, you're talking about making a movie. And she's just saying, yeah, let's. What else are we here for? We live mm. in Los Angeles. Let's go move to, you know, I don't know, somewhere in Arizona where houses are two hundred thousand dollars a pop, not mm. not eight hundred thousand dollars for a. A thousand square uh, foot some, box. Yeah, I was like, yeah, with one bedroom in <laughs> yeah. like two square foot yards of yard or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I just I'm like, you're right. You know, it's what are we doing? Smart we're, move. Fuck a house. Let's go make a movie. <laughs> so I we love that. Every single dollar we had, literally every dollar we had, and we, I had this movie, One Eight Hundred Hot Night. I used to call this phone sex operator when I was a kid, <laughs> and uh, when I was like twelve, I had called the, the number was One Eight Hundred Hot. Fuck. Yeah, you can say I mean, hey, nothing gets nothing gets filtered on this podcast, bro. We keep it wrong, that bro. That was the original title of the script. <laughs> but you can't send a script to like 14-year-old kids yeah. with like 1-800 hot fuck on the title page, right? So I'm mm -hmm. like and I wanted the whole movie to take place over one night. So 1-800 hot night was kind of a double entendre that mm -hmm. worked also for the phone sex line. 
And um, that was the first thing that popped in my head. I was like, I could see the start of this movie, these three boys, like 13 year old boy, 14, crammed in a phone booth, mm. talking dirty, you know, they get mm. caught, it's like fun. And I was mm. just thinking of what, how I used to kind of stomp around, uh, you know, with my friends when I was a kid and the trouble mm. we would get into and, and the sadness, you know, the things that had happened. And there's scenes in that movie, there's a scene where Tommy played by Dallas Young, who, you know, was on Cobra, Cobra Kai, Kai. Now, yeah. great, great young Dope actor. Dope actor, man. Um, he was just nominated actually for like a critics award for Hot Night, uh, which mm. is dope. I'm really proud I just saw of that him. on your page, yeah, man. Yeah. Yo, congratulations, Break bro. Of the year That's award. badass. I know. I'm stoked for him. That's so badass. He, uh, he's moving the scene where he gets robbed uh, by these three guys. And that happened to me. Like that actual scene happened to me. In in all those ways where these these dudes pulled me into their apartment and locked me in with them and threw me around and put this like big lizard on my face and neck and mm. like I peed myself I didn't realize I had peed my pants they jacked my money because I was collecting for my paper out and I had like a couple hundred bucks in there I just went home crying at the time my dad wasn't in town he was he just worked field jobs he'd like send him away you know mm. he was making much money my mom was a waitress at Red Lobster mm. so I just had no one to cry to I just kind of went home my brother's like what the fuck do you want me to do like yeah. I can't go roll up on these guys yeah, or yeah, adults facts. you know yeah. we're children so you just kind of take the loss the chin. so moments like that that I was able to build into the script um, and and yeah I mean I guess to, to circle back it's middle of the pandemic I write this very very personal movie I dump it every dollar I have in it. And like one of the dope things is, you know, just talk about the universe, right? You kind of, kind of, you kind of connect these dots along the way. All right. So we put our money in mm-hmm. and it ain't enough. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, and when I went to the bank and I signed over the money, like I wired the money over right to the, to the LLC account. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel anything. Mm-hmm. That's how I knew I was doing the right. Like literally nothing. Like, I didn't, you, didn't, you didn't feel any fear, like any, like, I get anxiety like nervousness. when I buy like a new pair of boots. Yeah. yeah. Bucks. But, I'm like, Oh, I just spent $200. But this felt boots. good because it was towards purpose. $100,000. I didn't blink. I was like, whatever. Wow. Let's go. Just signed it. Walked out. Wow. Felt nothing. I was like, you're doing the right thing. Then I get a call from my casting director, not my casting director, my line producer. And it's like, I'm not even joking. 10 days before production's about to start. Mm. So everything's Locked ready and loaded, ready to go, pre-prepped. And my line producer like gets on the phone with me. It's like 10 o'clock. And we're still in like lockdown. Don't tell me he hits right? you with the, we don't have enough. Don't have enough. We're $50,000 short. Oh, shit. I'm like, what do you mean? And they start walking me through the budget. Like, you messed up here, like on the budget. Because I was like cutting corners, like, well, I could get this. Pulling this. favors and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. You need fifty thousand more dollars just to shoot the movie. That's not even gonna get you through post. That's just to shoot the movie. Damn. And I'm like, what do we do? And and Allie and I are kind of despondent. We get off the phone. It's like now it's like eleven p.m. and we go for a walk. Like, Let's go for a walk. And we go for a walk, and I'm just like, man, this. I don't know how. This is going to work out. It's going to work out. We have to make this movie. The very next day, Allie had a hair test for her character. She plays phone sex operator. Mm. And so she was getting these like pink braid extensions put in. Mm. And uh, she gets them put in and she just looks so good. She sends me a text that next day and I'm like, oh my God, you look so hot. This is great. I love it. <laughs> Dude, I do this hairstyle <laughs> I was just feeling it. And then um, that night, I. Post it on Instagram. I just never do that. I just barely post on Instagram. You're very low key. Yeah. But yeah. I post her on Instagram, just kind of giving her some love. Like, man, mm. doesn't, doesn't my wife look great? Mm. Type of thing. And so let's say it's 10 p.m. LA time. I get a message on Instagram from 
the guy I wrote my thesis with in college, good friend of mine, this guy Adam Marino, like an angel of a human, um, he hits me up on Instagram. So it must be like 1 a.m. his time in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. He's like, dude, Ali looks dope. What's this about? What's up? I'm like, oh, it's for this new movie character. And he's like, that's crazy. That's really cool, man. You got to let me know next time I want to get involved. And I was just like, and I, but you know, like he's my friend. I don't want to. Yeah. I just want to be his friend. I'm not yeah. trying to like hit him up for cash. I was getting, so my, my plan was to sell our cars, mm. sell like any of Ali's like handbags, my You start looking at anything that can bring some type of dollar to this without having to ask somebody else for it. Yes, we were going to sell everything. Wow. That's what, that was our plan. That's why, dude, I respect <laughs> you so much, bro. And this, this really quick, cause I want you to continue the story, but this is so uh, synonymous with what, me and my, my, my friend Cat, Catfish was talking about on one of the other episodes, right? Where it's like, sometimes you gotta be willing to sacrifice and just put up your own dollars just to get the shit done so it doesn't wait around. Wait, yeah. so what happened then? So, so you so, talked to this so guy. I didn't say anything. I'm like, he's like, you know, he's like, you gotta let me know next time. And I was like, hey, I will. And he goes, then he writes back, unless you still need money for this round. And I was just like, Actually, so I said, I go, actually, kind of funny you asked. Yeah, I did. I said, so we do actually save the messages. I have a screenshot. I'm going to frame that one day. You need to. And he goes, well, how much do you need? And I'm like, man, honestly, we're $50,000 short to get through production, but anything in the help. And he goes, I'll wire you $50,000 tomorrow. <laughs> Just did it. Wow. I, I mean, wow. I woke up the next morning and I, and I was telling Ali, I should get He said, I'm going to wire you $50,000 the next morning just like that. It took one extra day. But still. Yeah, it took an extra day. So it took like 48 hours and the 50000 bucks was in and we, were, we had the money. And the crazy part was like the next morning, I'm like, dude, he was 1 a.m. In, mm. in Manhattan. He must have been drunk or something. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not going to hold him to this. I don't want, you know, let's go to bed. I wake up next morning, 9 a.m. He's like, hey, I need the wiring instructions. And I'm just like, He's serious. Yeah, he's serious. Mm. So we got to make the movie, you know, and we, you know, masked up, shielded up. If someone got like, when you're making a movie for $230,000, like during COVID, if someone gets COVID and we have to shut down. That affects. We're destroyed. Yeah. This is not. That's bad. Nobody got it. We only shot on weekends. I mean, it was really difficult to Mm. shoot because A, when you're making a movie for that low of a budget, I mean, there's commercials on television for like mattress factory that are made for more money than this whole movie was made mm-hmm. for, you know, um, part of the problem is with minors, you have to have them offset by midnight. Yeah. I wrote a movie that takes place entirely at night. It's the height of summer. It doesn't get dark till 9 PM. Wow. So we only had three hours to shoot each night. No way. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, just want to give a moment to this episode sponsor infinity energy energy from within make sure you go to infinityenergy.com this is made with pure bnc vitamins is a natural tea-based energy shot that will get you to focus on whatever you're doing creatively gaming if you're an athlete this is what you need to be drinking and will not make you jittery like a lot of these sports drinks out there in the game so make sure you go to infinityenergy.com and get the energy from within back to the schedule programming so you guys Wait, I am tripping over you, bro. Wait, so you only had these group of kids for three hours a night, night and you shot the rest of the movie around mm-hmm. that. So basically, yeah, I mean, they're in every scene, so it just wasn't really an option. Of, there, was, there was maybe like one or two very small scenes without one of them in it. Mm-hmm. So the way it would work is 
We only shot on weekends because mm-hmm. the low pay was so low for everybody. Everyone had to work their day jobs. Mm-hmm. I was working Monday through Thursday. Mm-hmm. Ali working Monday through Thursday. And we'd shoot Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We did that for six weeks. So an eight, 18-day shoot, but spread over six weekends. Okay? So we I get everyone to set by, let's say, 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. And we would... But in the sweltering, it's like 100 degrees. It's, it's LA, late July. It's just 100 degrees Bro, out. That's the worst. Hot. Hot. But we're, yeah. we're walking through. And so we're rehearsing, we're rehearsing. We're like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I'm working with the actors. We're going to the actors. Get them back into air conditioning. Okay. Break for lunch at 8. We let an hour pass. Once 9 o'clock hit. Straight to Sprint three-hour shooting. Dude. <laughs> you know what? And this, 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 is, this is why I feel like I have so much respect for you. Not only just as a friend, but just as a filmmaker, right? Just on what you do. Because bro, the fact that 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 one, I always I always find it so ironic when when you really do something that's aligned with your purpose, right? To me, the fact that you're 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 willing you're willing to give up so much for your vision, right? You're like, man, this is my vision. This is what I need to do. I really feel like this is gonna add value. This is gonna this is purposeful. For you to walk to the bank, hundred thousand out yeah. of your own savings, and look, I don't care who you are. When you gotta dump a hundred thousand dollars into it, you have to think about what's the outcome. And for you to walk in, be like, I know this is gonna be worth it. I know because all it's doing now is creating more opportunities for you because you now have two strong films underneath your belt that you were, you have proof that you were able to not only execute at this budget, right? Yeah, low, low, you have 1-800-HOT-NIGHT, and you're executing these movies in these crazy time frames. And bro, so when you get what you really want, it's gonna be so smooth because I look at your, your style and your process of preparation. Like, you have taught me so much about preparation, bro, and you're so adamant about your time. Um, I, the thing that I really love most about your story, though, is the conversation between you and Ali. I love the fact that Ali was so honest to be like, hey, why are we buying a house? And to me, I feel like that's so important in this business that if you're going to be in a relationship, to be in a relationship with somebody that adds to your purpose. And I think that's so dope how she added to the purpose. She was like, hey, look, we talk about this every day. I know what you're going through. I know what your mind is on. Is this really what we need right now? Yeah. Like, is this really what we need right now versus like, this is where our hearts are, so let's just do this. The fact that you guys were like, yo, I'm gonna go ahead and just hold off on this right now so we can just focus on the vision. Bro, look, I think it's so important to like, when, you, when, you have a, when you're in a relationship, to, to have a relationship with somebody who asks your purpose, right? Um, you're so dialed in on, on what you wanna do as a filmmaker and you, you clearly know what you want. And the thing that I, I admire and I love about um, your style of filmmaking is that a lot of your stories are personal. You know, a lot of them come from real places. And that's why I feel like some of the best art comes from is when it's from an authentic place. You know, when somebody makes a song that's authentic to their current experience in life, I think those songs tend to hit the best because it's something that people can really relate to. Um, Taking moments from your childhood that had these big impacts in your life and to showcase that story in an authentic and raw way is so dope, you know what I'm saying? My question to you though, is like throughout this whole process of you making these movies, you tapping into your niche, into your realm, your style of filmmaking, to who Nick Ritchie is. 
um, what are some of the things that you've actually struggled with and some of the habits that you've had to essentially crawl out of to evolve into the person you are now to get these things done, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's, I've always been a hard worker. Okay. I mean, so that, that was, you know, I, I got that from my parents. Uh, you know, I, I, dude, when I was 13, my, my, I went on a Greyhound bus from Portland, Oregon to Medford, Oregon to work on like a logging farm at 13. I was like with a chainsaw. Just put, they just put me on, I was by myself. I, I wasn't, respect that. I, I worked That's in good. an apple orchard in the summers. I mean, I, I would just, I was trying to paper routes. I'd go door to door knocking on apartment doors. Can I take your garbage out for a quarter? Mm. I mean, literally, these are just things I would do to just try to make it. So I, always, I had that built in when it came time to write scripts or mm -hmm. shot lists. You can't, I, I, no one, I will not ever allow someone to outwork me on that sense. Like I'll wake up, when I'm up this morning, I, I check my phone, make sure if there's no emergencies and I'm open, mm -hmm. writing, lap, just next thing, you know, breaking it down. Um, so those, those were things that, that like those things are kind of built in. One of the, I, I think, <clears throat> I think a lot of times in my life I've struggled with confidence and when to exude that confidence or seize it and, and build on it and what in in a sense being afraid of being perceived as uh, conceited or egotistical, egotistical. or yeah mm -hmm. um, and there's a hard balance there because I like even I was in a band for some years and mm -hmm. you know kind of the lead of the band but never wanted to take the lead position and let it be a, just a full democracy and everyone's kind of yeah that's a place that's been really challenging for me is to really take the reins mm -hmm. and I've and I'm getting better at doing it, but it's, um, it's something where like allowing yourself to be the leader, allowing yeah. yourself to, to, you know, step into that role. Yeah. Step into that role and, and really command what you everyone that they're there cause they believe in your vision. In your vision. Yeah. I had a tendency even on Lolo to, and I don't think this is a bad thing. I just, I have, I had a tendency to, you know, walk up. Hey, thank you so much for your time. I just want to think, you know, like as if I, treating it like everyone was just doing me a favor. But bro, that is massive though. That does matter. It does matter. I agree, and I think the gratitude matters so much. Mm -hmm. But I think where it can become dangerous for me mm -hmm. is that it, I can sometimes translate that into like an insecurity that people gotcha. don't actually want to be there. Mm. See what I'm saying? Like. It, uh, and, and that can hold me back creatively. So those, that's like a big challenge actually wow. that I've, I've kind of struggled with. And I think maybe part of that comes with like 15 years of being in Los Angeles and being rejected here left and right. Yeah. Um, and then another part of it, and this, this is going to circle back to the conversation about having someone in your life like an Ali who is a powerful creative presence for me and a supportive presence for me is I don't, I don't know if I would still be here without her. I love that. I, I've... I have been, I've had my face shoved in the mud just mm -hmm. so many times, you know, where it's like hurt. Hurtful. Yeah. And it's, and, and it, it hurts, hurts because you've been so close. Yeah, man. So close. That's why I feel like people don't, don't, don't fully understand. It's like when you're like, when you get that offer or you see these contracts and these numbers and then all of a sudden there's like one little thing like that stops it from being signed and the deal going through and it was just right there. You know what I'm saying? I know that those are the ones that you really feel like fuck and you feel like she really was able to uplift you to keep moving forward or yes absolutely mm -hmm. and and if it 
I mean, truly picked me up. There, I, there was an interview with like Morgan Freeman. I don't remember what it might have been inside the actor studio or something. And someone had interviewed him at one point saying like, and then you took some years off just to relax. He's like, took years off. I didn't take any years off. Mm-hmm. When I wasn't working, I wasn't getting hired. Yeah. Morgan Freeman was sitting there telling, telling a story about how many times he's been on the ground, face down, people stomping on him. Just, he's done. And then it just was a person that lifted him up by the shoulders, uh, put him back on his feet. This is Morgan Freeman saying this, yeah, okay? Like one of the most powerful. prolific actors of all time. Facts. You know, I've, I've been in that position just in tears on my back. Like I can't do this anymore. I quit. Like no one wants what I've got to say. And it's Allie that's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Like, I love that. You know, hey, uh, shout out to Allie. Yeah, that's a real but, So, you know, those have been real big challenges for me, honestly. And, and even age, like, I, I mean, I had a manager recently, I'm about to turn 40, uh, next year. Um, not next year. Fuck this year. Catch me in Rome for Big my 40th 40 birthday. Hey, uh, shit, I'm uh, trying to be there. What's up? <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I, I just had a manager that I just let go of, uh, b- before hot night came out, who was telling me that, well, you're too old to be a staff writer. You no one's going to want you on a show. What? And I'm like, I can't have your negativity in my life. Not yeah, be, now you your know? atmosphere. You people go. like that are toxic. They, those type of people will, here, here's the thing. I, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I have a big pet peeve of anyone that tries to throw limited beliefs onto me or the people on my team that we're not thinking about and they need to be removed because they're toxic, bro. Yeah. It's like to me, because that, that's such, that's a, that, that idea and that thought was put in his head by somebody else. And that's how he looks at himself, right? If you're someone like you or me, where we're like, I don't think like that, so that doesn't apply to me because I'm, I'm not operating like that. That's you know right. how many writers' rooms, I'm sure you've been in, that I've even seen at the table reads of shows, where these, you could tell these are writers who've been in the game for years who are a lot older than you and me, but oh, yeah. they have experience, they have knowledge, so that's why they have the power on the pen because they're nice with the pen, they got, they got experience, so it's like, I feel you. I think that was so smart by getting rid of somebody like that who was supposed to be on your team, who's now hurting you. Oh man, yeah. I was. It, it was. It was. You know? it, I wish those people well in that, in that company. Well, no problem. No there. problem. Just, but I just can't have life. that. Yeah. This is my, that's yeah. that's why I want every actor and filmmaker to realize it's like when you have an agent and a manager, right? It's so important for everybody to be on the same island because at the end of the day, man, like this is your life. Like for real, this is your life. This is this is. The, the things that we're creating and the things that you're doing, right, and the opportunities that even having a good manager agent, when everybody's on the same island, everybody's really wanting together and helping together because, like, for example, I'm so thankful for my relationship with my manager and my agent. Like, I love being able that we can, we can go out to dinner or we can even play video games or, like, we just have a great relationship, right, when it comes to the work or whatever needs to be done. Like, they're on it, but it's like they, they make me better. They don't take away from... For me, there's times where I had, I've had some offers on the table, it didn't go my way, and they always encourage. Always, you know, hey, we may not got this one, but hey, the next one's coming right up. You know, the next one's right around the corner. The next one, like, just, and, and it's so important to have that on your team. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I love, I love that. You have to have that. I agree. And now, I'm, and I'm kind of hunting for that now, right? Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, okay, I want to build this team, you know, for the next. 20 years, who's mm-hmm. going to be in my corner? 
Um, it can be longer than 20 years, you know. So, so yeah, there, there, there's been those challenges of things that have been really difficult in the last five years, particularly. And in that five years, making movies yeah. and still doing, your, you know, getting a show picked up at ABC. And even that didn't go through. But similarly, like, for things that, you know, it, it was just in optics. You know, I created a show with a guy. And it was about, like, this, this time period in Jamaica. And they were like, well, you're two white guys. You can't create this show. Our Jamaican executive producer, this guy, Ross Casa, who's amazing, was like, excuse me, I'm right here. I'm right here. Like, this is the first time I've had a seat at the table, and you're saying, like, <laughs> this can't go because Nick's white? Like, yeah. would, that's your problem? Yeah. You know, like, this yeah. is a show that would employ, like, Caribbean actors, so Caribbean directors, yeah. Caribbean writers. Yeah, facts. And, and it's going to stop now because two white dudes at Hulu are uncomfortable, and they don't want to signal the because they don't want to end up in, like, Variety and, like, a bad article. Yeah. Go fuck job. yourself. Lose their job. No, I'm coming for those people now. I feel, like, I feel hungry for it now. Like, good. I, I, I'm. I want. I want to be Mike White standing on stage for the White Lotus, the Golden Globes, going. You all passed. <laughs> I love hey, that. All, I, you I looked like, out at everybody. You, you all passed on my stuff. <laughs> 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 you know, but but it, it does now. But that stuff used to really weigh heavy on me. Yeah. Where I'd be like, well, I just love this idea. Why does this have to be put into a box? Like, let's just. Let's go get the right people then. It's just an idea. I don't have to be the face of it even. I don't yeah. care. Like now I'm letting that fuel me and it's and it's reinvigorating me instead of, you know, where I think a couple of years ago I would have I would have let that be more of like a baseball bat to the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Definitely. Like, oh my God. But now now it's 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 kinda like rolling with the punches type of mentality, right? Where it's yeah. like, all right, well, I'll take that one on the chin. Cool. I'm going to keep it pushing now. Like, like if y'all might have passed, like, bet I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to adapt. I'm going to adjust. I'm going to make this shit work. You oh, know yeah. What I'm saying? Yeah. Like, even that's more. All it is. That's right. I, I feel yeah. even more motivated. I'm like, cool. I'm going to sit on this for a minute. Yeah. And then I'm going to get this movie out. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to get the next movie greenlit. And then I'm going to go make this show without you. You know what's crazy? So, <laughs> my brother, my brother and I had this power talk yesterday for like two hours, right? And we're, we were talking about a few things, but one of the things we we're talking about was, um, if someone says no, my brother's like, I don't really ever hear no. I hear yes and yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I started laughing, right? I was like, yo, that's actually so weird. He's like, yeah, I hear yes and yes. Because if, if they didn't say yes the first time, I'm just going to go back. I'm just going to adjust what I need to adjust. I'm going to fix. I'm going to go what I need to do. And they're going to say yes. Like, at some point, someone's going to say yes. But I hear yes and yes. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's a dope mentality. And then going back into... Um, what you were talking about on your struggle where, where you feel like you struggle between, you know, essentially like confidence and ego, like stepping up to the role, stepping up to, to lead essentially. Right. Um, you know, I, 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 I had a really deep conversation with my brother yesterday about ego. Right. And, and really just get to the bottom of it. Like, can ego be a good or a bad thing? Or is it always considered a bad thing? Cause sometimes you hear ego a lot and it's always like putting like this, like negative realm, this negative space. Right. Um, but then you hear, you know, certain people, like for example, the documentary on Netflix, I think it's called The Redeem, the Redeem Team, uh, about the USA Olympic basketball team going and winning the Olympic gold. Okay. And you, there's, there's, a, there's a, the, the coach of that team, there was something that he said that I thought was interesting, uh, but he was like, hey, he was like, he's like, a lot of you guys, you know, are being told to leave your egos at the door. Your egos are what make you who you are. So I want all of us to put our egos under one big ego umbrella. Yeah. And just be the best, right? And just be the best, right? And I thought his perspective on that was so dope. And for the longest, up until yesterday, I had this conversation with my brother, um, I kind of started looking at ego 
and non arrogant or conceited or I'm a better than way, but it's a sense of like, like I this is how I was looking at versus how I look at it now. How I was looking at it was like, well, if you just put in the work and if you do what you're supposed to do and you believe that like you're great in what you do, um, to service others, then then you just gotta go with that. But then my brother and I talked about this just and he was like, Dom, I wouldn't label that ego. I think that's just belief. You know, belief and, and confidence and believing and, e and having ego are still two different things because it's like progress creates belief, I should say. So when you have, when you make progress, you get more belief, you, you, you get more inspired, you, you feel like you can do more things. So actually choosing to step into your role as a leader um, is always with, it should be always with the utmost belief because of what you're doing to service other people. Like, your intention for the Jamaican show, for example, right? You're thinking, like, guys, what are you talking about? Do you understand how many jobs this can employ out there for the, in the Caribbeans? Yeah. Like, like, stop. Please, please, remove me out. This, this is not about me, guys. Please remove me, okay? This is about what we can do for these other people. And, and it's being in a space to consistently operate to where you're a service to people, I think, is... Um, what belief and confidence really is, and it can suppress the ego, because I think ego, I'm starting to realize more, is about letting go of an idea you're attached to. Mm. You know, and not being self-absorbent, not being self-absorbent, not being conceited, but like, you know, look at your, again, I have to say this, now you have a body of work now. You know that if you do this, do that, this formula will come out. So you know the preparation. You're like, okay, if I prepare, if I do this, if I hire this, like this is how this will turn out. But it's like, to me, I think, I just always want to encourage you to continue to step into that role because we need people like you, bro, who are willing to essentially take that risk because the way society is built is they don't want people to step into that role because things kind of start being controlled. But then when you have people like you that are like, you know what? I'm tired of dealing with y'all. Y'all getting in the way. You know what? I'm, I'm over this. There's another way. Let's go. And you make new ways happen. And that's the ones who actually get shit done, I think, in this business. You know? Yeah, and I, I actually agree to an extent on, like, on the ego side of things. I've thought about this. I was a competitor also. I wrestled, played football, played yeah. baseball. You have to have some level of like healthy ego. Healthy some level ego. Of, yeah. Where you, it, you have, I mean, Dom, you have to be able to get up, look yourself in the mirror and go, I'm the best actor in the world. I'm the greatest. Yeah. If you're not doing that, you then you're gonna lose. You want you're, you're gonna lose. You're gonna lose. Sorry, you're just gonna lose. There's a little bit of like maniac in each of us doing this work, right? <laughs> like, and it's required. Like, I, I I read like biographies on artists. Like, I, I just read one on Jackson Pollock and read another one on Van Gogh, and and I, and they're they're massive. They're, they're really interesting. Mm -hmm. There, it, it's a similar thing where like. I see their struggles and there's diary entries that are part of these bios. Uh, and, and I feel like, man, that's like what I'm thinking, you know, and you realize, you know, what it takes, you know, when you go back and you can use like sort of a firebrand character right now, like a Kanye West type of person. And you see old interviews of him mm -hmm. and the way he believed in himself that is required. Yeah. That is. is absolutely required. It's like an obsession here. Yes. Because there's everyone else here will try to destroy you. I mean, Absolutely. there are angry people in this business, in every business, but in this business, there are there are angry, terrible people that want that don't feel good about themselves. 
they don't want you to feel good about yourself either. So I when agree. you show up with your creativity, they want to stifle it, they want you to feel bad. Mm. That's going to happen. You're going to come up against that. So you have to have like a, some type of true belief. Yeah, belief. Then you got to be careful. Yeah. You need to tether it to something. Mm. Right? So if it's Ali for me and my life and my family life, which is strong and I have that core and that foundation, that you can send me out into that that crazy wild west realm of like having to go out there and say I'm the best fucking writer, director that exists on this planet. That's why I'm making this movie. I have to step into that with that kind of confidence. And then if the movie blows up, mm-hmm. that those people back there go, yeah, you ain't that special, man. Come back yeah. here. <laughs> You're just yeah. Nick. Let's yeah. do this. Like, let's get yeah. back to work. Yeah, exactly. Right. And if you don't have that, if you get, if you get severed from that and like, again, I'm not here to like psychoanalyze a, a Kanye West type of person, it's but not, perhaps yeah. Donda was that for him. Mm-hmm. And then you lose that family member and you lose that tethering you stop, you start to forget that like, I'm just a person. Yeah. Yes. I believe in myself. Mm-hmm. Art is great. I, I, and I love my art on to the next thing. Wow. Great example. I, you know, I love that. So I, I, yeah. So I, I just think about that, what that mm-hmm. ego that's required. And I feel like I'm starting to sim- it sounds like you are also mm-hmm. sort of wrap my brain around yeah. the version of it that feels healthy for me where I can step up into this role and feel like I can command that. Yeah. And then also know how to step back and get back to work. Exactly. There'll always be things that humble you, mm-hmm. but sometimes that can turn to anger. Like I've had people come up, I mean, this happens, right? Like there's a, there's a tech nine line in this song fragile where he's like, people don't understand why, why I get so pissed. Cause I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or something mm-hmm. like that. It's like, he's like talking about critics and like how, yeah. of course I get fucking sensitive. You just said my stuff sucks. Yeah. I spent fucking years working on this. This is yeah, my life. This is my art. This is my passion. And you, some guy with a blog in Colorado just decided to take a dump on it. Like, let's throw hands, dude. I will yeah, fucking yeah. bury you. Like what have you even done to <laughs> even critique <laughs> this type of work? Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? No, like, what's your level? And it bro. can get personal. It can. And you have to learn how to not block it. Up. Yes. And instead, mm. whether it's taking a rejection, and you know this as an actor, whatever it is, and going, or, or it can be a rejection from someone who saw your movie and just hates it. Yeah. You just go on the Rotten Tomatoes and some random person just goes, mm. this movie sucked. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay, right. let's talk about this. You know? But instead you go, no, just get back to work. Back to How work. do I get back to work in a healthy way? Mm. Yeah, that stuff is always gonna be there to humble you, or to, mm. but it can, it can, it can turn vicious and get into a negative cycle where you feel negative about it. Or, you know, for me, I turned around and started taking a writing class a couple months ago just I to be like, that. how just can I be a better writer? Get sharper. Yeah. Just get better. Someone's got to teach me something. I got to get mm. better. And, and I'm go, taking a writing class right now every week. I love that. I love, <laughs> you're, you're, you're always remaining a student of the game. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, and I think that it's so important to, in every aspect of your life, remain a student in the sense of like always stay learning like uh i talk about the four pillars a lot with my friends i talk about spiritual mental physical and emotional these are all like tires on a car right um they all need air in them because if you stop putting air in one the other three can be running but it's going to slow the vehicle down yeah you know so you're not gonna be able to go as fast as you usually can because not all these tires are, are filled and sometimes if you think about a car you can get fresh tires right and, and after a while, after wear and tear, they start to wear down and you need to replace them or you need to uh, add new ones or put air in it. And to me, that's very relative to your craft and your skill when it comes to mental, spiritual, physical, and emotional because, you know, there'll be times where I'm like, all right, my body's my priority this year, right? I'm going to 
put on 20 pounds of muscle. Okay, uh, emotionally, I'm feeling great because I'm working out, I'm seeing the improvements. Mentally, I feel stimulated, right? But then spiritually, I realized that I was putting so much energy in these other areas, I wasn't putting enough energy in my spiritual pillar. And when I say spiritual pillar, um, meaning going deeper in the oceans within myself. Like, like asking myself more questions, like, like in terms of my habits, my why, like thinking about uh, uh, past times where I feel like I was seeking outside validation versus like, no, I don't, I don't do this for validation anymore. I do this because of service and the value that it can just bring, you know what I'm saying? So um, it's like adding these, like keeping these four pillars in rotation in, 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 a, in a healthy manner is so important, you know, and hearing the way that you're talking about how like you're moving with, you know, again, just your whole life, just the, just the balance of the ups and the downs, you know, when, when, when things are going good, when things aren't going good and then how things come around. So it's like, this kind of leads me to my next question is like, how has this industry affected or made you uh, stronger with your relationship? When it comes to this stuff, like how do you keep a balance? Cause I look at you as an individual, right? You're doing your filmmaking, right? And then you have this passion for these ancient artifacts that your business partners, you guys are finding. Nick and his partner had these beautiful, you know, <laughs> collections of these artifacts, man. They go way back, man. It's really beautiful, but it's like a passion. It's like a hobby for them. And then you have your relationship with your wife. And now there's this like dichotomy of like, how do you not tip the scales, like not overwork and then now this is having an issue or putting stuff into this and now this is dying. Like, how do you keep yourself so balanced with everything or do you feel like you are balanced with it? Yeah, I mean, I, you know what, I, th I think on, on that end, it's, I knew I wanted a relationship that was, that did feed into this. I wanted mm. to be with somebody who was aligned with me mm. in that, in that, in a creative way. Yeah. Um, so that was a, that was a must. That and a healthy love for Disneyland. Uh, <laughs> I, I do go. Uh, but when I met Allie, that was, that was really, one of the first things that sparked for me was just mm. her belief and her passion, her creativity. Similarly, you know, this is a woman who at 18 years old, left her family, moved to New York, mm. you know, try auditioning for Broadway, went to Tokyo, was singing in a musical that, you know, like this is someone who's took out went way outside of her comfort zone, went from nothing, you know, supported herself. And I saw that drive and I was attracted to that. I mean, we were, when we first you met, we were late. Yeah, good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I'll never forget, like, when I first met, I took her on our first date. I was, I, I had this beater car, just messed up old Acura Legend with a bumper that fell off. Mm -hmm. If you hit a red light, the engine would start to overheat. I'd have to rev it to keep it from going down. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to pick her up in that, so I borrowed like my business partner, Zach, like BMW, <laughs> go pull her up, take her out for a date, whatever. I'm maxing my credit card out at Katsuya, mm -hmm. right? Just like, I'm like, I got See, look on the statement. I got three hundred dollars. Okay. Let me get the salad and yeah, the wine. Yeah, Man, dude, let me get I mean, this to, yeah, yeah. I'm just eating healthy right now. Nothing personal. Get, get what you want. Yeah, <laughs> you know, true, true story. Though. Yeah, I just max my credit card out. Take her on a date. It's all I could afford. And then on her second date, I go to meet her, and she pulls up in this like old beat up Saturn, and I'm like, oh yeah, all right, this is cool. Yeah, yeah you can yeah, see yeah, my yeah. car then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're like, oh, the, the ceiling falling down on her, like as best as getting. In your lungs, it's just, but but uh, no, you know that was a that's a huge part of it is that she's she's along for this. She's not just along for the ride. She's like co-piloting this entire the, life the plane with, with you. Me. Yeah, and 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 that's number one. Then my you know th then it's like I've got my family. Similarly, they're just so supportive and they they've got my back. 
time management is a different thing entirely in the sense that like, you know, I've got a, I give myself like a rigid writing schedule and she's proud of me for that. So that's not a problem mm. that works out. I'm, I, I have to, I do it now and, I, and I'm going to continue trying to improve on it. But like tomorrow we're flying to Aspen. We're going to ski for four days. Mm. I'm not going to write. Yeah. I'm going to ski. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm going to drink wine and eat ski. good food yeah. and ski. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And we're just going to have a great time doing that. And, and so I make sure that we also have like, we reward ourselves with these, you know, adventures we call them, right? We're going to get out and go do something together. And, um, you know, and that can be on the weekends, even just seeing movies and sitting down and just taking a break. And she's got to remind me of that, mm. but she's also good at that. That's you know, great. she's good at reminding me of that. So the, the balance is there right now. I feel really good about it. And, you know, I think, I'm always just hungry for more. Yeah. So I could always like, w- I think we're all continue to try to improve and I'm, and I'm trying to get better at this is scheduling my day out like minute for minute. Mm. Now that might sound a little wild. No, but, but it's, it's, it's important, bro. Cause you can actually schedule in. Like I like to play call of duty. Yeah. Right? So like the problem is if I sit down and start playing call of duty, I get on with my brothers, three hours goes by and I'm like, Oh shit. I just play fucking call of duty hours my thumbs hurt yeah let me let me tell you this this is the realest <laughs> shit right so i started doing this this year right so i started doing daily tracking of my life right um someone who i watch a lot is rob deerdeck yeah. right rob deerdeck man he inspires me because this guy has done so much in his life and the way he talks about having a balance having a harmonious life is so important to me and uh he he talks about what helps him out a lot is how he, he, he tracks his days and he rates his days he tracks his weeks he rates his weeks, does it with months and the years, right? So I was like, you know what? Let me see. Let me see what happens when you track. So I don't even see on the camera, but like I, I literally started tracking all of my days, like hour by hour. Like what's doing? What am I doing? So what I'm doing for the first month, I'm treating it as like an experiment uh-huh. to be like, where am I not being as efficient in? Yeah. Certain days too, like certain days, I'll see. I'll be like, Ooh, I had a badass day today. Yeah. I only got one hour of gaming in, and I did all this stuff. Some days I'll 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 get everything I need to do, but then same thing. My brother gets online on Fortnite, so is my cousin, so is our little homie Koki, and we're all on there. Next, you know, we're playing for three hours. I'm like, oh damn, like okay, I need to. Whoa, okay. <laughs> I, I'll see y'all later. I need to go edit. I need to go. I gotta. I got so. I, I got something to do right now because <laughs> yeah. this just flew by, right? But it's like you're only more aware of that, like if you can start tracking it. Like I like you're like I'm gonna start scheduling it in, like yeah. being efficient to still get. Because like for me, like I love playing video games because I feel like when I'm not creating or working, it's it's like a mental therapy for me. You know, yeah. it's like just the stimulation. Also, I get to catch up with my brother and my cousin with the vibe. It's just this the energy of gaming that, you know, gamers know. You know what I'm saying? But as a writer and director and a producer, to where you're at now in your career, are you extremely confident about your work? Or do you still feel like sometimes that when you're creating something, is this going to be good enough? Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely have that doubt every time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sure. Every page, man. I mean, mm-hmm. this morning I was like, spent the first hour just on one page of the script where I was like, I just don't know if this line is right. Is yeah. this the right way to get out of the scene? Mm-hmm. And is, this, is there even tension in the scene? No, I mean, I, I don't feel that. Uh, um, I, I feel confident in one way. There's like a, a confidence in that I know I'm here to create in this world and like make these films and write these scripts. And 
And I enjoy that and I love that. Uh, and then there's the, I have so much more work to do, so much more to mine, so much more to discover. You mm. know, with this next movie, Bits, Body and Bones, I'm, I'm entering into pre-production, starting the casting process and, um, you know, shot listing and that stuff, you know, I'm, and I'm watching other movies, you know, uh, um, or, or TV shows, you know, I just watched uh, the first episode of The Last of Us, for example, mm. and I'm like, oh man, there's really cool, like, look at how they did this, I gotta go back. shot for shot to in the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. I gotta go fix this. I Jake know. was just talking about that <laughs> yesterday, yeah, yeah. And Isaac, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so, you know, no, I, I feel right now I'm in a place where, like, I'm so hungry to keep learning, get better. I think there's masters out there, people that really, really command the craft. Um, and and I want to keep learning from them. And, and so I'm just, like, ingesting every movie I can. I mean, I'm watching, you know, The Menu, mm-hmm. uh, Triangle of Sadness, hey, Barbarian. My castmate was actually in The Menu, um, Arturo. He was in Row House with me, man. Oh, right. Crazy movie, right? Yeah, crazy, cra- crazy movie. Yeah. Loved it. You know, yeah. but, and, and, you know, just, just went and saw a plane with Gerard mm-hmm. Butler. I don't care. Like, I want to see them all. I'm just trying to take it all in and learn and... Um, but, but I do feel very confident. I do feel like every time I step away from another project, another script, I'm learning something about myself, learning something about the process, and I know I'm going to keep, you know, improving. That's awesome. You know, there is this, like, kind of long game, and I, and I feel like this. There was a – I read a ton of biographies, but there's a John Rockefeller biography, you know, the Standard Oil kind of robber baron, John Rockefeller. And he talked about this, like, I'm not the smartest person but I will continue to steady, like, be the hardest worker. I love that. And, and I always have felt like that's, I can do that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I may not be, like, I don't know, maybe some people, they can just, they get behind a camera and they know exactly the perfect, beautiful angle, the mm-hmm. geometry, everything. I, maybe I don't have that built in innately as far as a visual storytelling uh, component goes, but, but I will learn. Mm-hmm. And I will still be here mm-hmm. <laughs> 10 years from now. Still learning. Still learning. <laughs> yeah. you know? uh, um, so when you get comfortable and you get lazy and you stop learning, I'm still going to be learning. Still growing. And I'm going to pass you up. I love that. <laughs> In no. a healthy way. I mean, no, not like it's fast, you know, as a competitive It's a marathon, not the sprint. Yeah. You know, because again, you're right. It's, it's, you know, something that's really big in my family is like, where it's like, it's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. Yeah. You know, you have some people that want to. You know, my brother, again, was talking to me about this yesterday, but the thing about a sprint, a lot of the best, the best, a lot of the best athletes that will win sprints are the ones who go 85% majority of the time and they hit the 100 at the last. They don't go 100 from the gate and they slow down because a lot of sprinters, if they go 100 from the gate towards the end, they slow down and they get passed up yeah. by the people that's just yeah. steady going. You know what I'm saying? So um, hearing hearing the, the, the work ethic, I think is so important because again it's like that healthy competition bro you're like look i'm gonna be better than i was yesterday and that doesn't stop despite of what i manifest because comfortability is a thing it it really can hinder somebody's journey growth like i remember my first guy on ray donovan bro uh becoming a series regular on that show and, and and being on seasons four and five and then finding out i wasn't gonna come back on season six was a waker upper, right? Yeah. Because I felt at the time in my mind, in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm locked in, like you know. And, and when I say I'm locked in, like I'm on. At the time, it was like the second most watched show, uh, the second most watched drama behind Game of Thrones, right? 
Um, it was getting all kinds of critically acclaimed awards, all these things. I'm like, man, like they, they, they got love for me, right? Um, I stopped caring about other auditions that would come in because I knew I had guaranteed work. So you know what I'm saying? So it's like, like I had guaranteed work and I'll get some other auditions and if I get it, I was like, all right, whatever, like I'm gonna go to work tomorrow. Like, and it was like this, like, oh, I, like I made it and, it, and I, like in terms of like my dream as a working actor, I'm, I'm working with A-listers, I'm, 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 I'm here and I'm, I've, I've proven my worth because I'm a series regular now and I brought some to the table. Finding out when they got all new writers, season six. Yeah. And for all the things they were telling me that I was gonna happen in my character season five versus what changed season six, it woke me up when they didn't bring me back and to be like, hey, don't get comfortable just with one thing. You know, n nothing like um, nothing is, is, is forever, right? And now I feel like even, for example, after doing Roadhouse, right? Bro, I'm, st I'm still like, yo, whatever self-tape or opportunity, like, I I'm like, I'm so hungry to want to keep having more longevity to keep going and going and going because it's like, I remember the time of when I got casted for Lolo, 2019. No, no, I'm sorry, 2018. 2018 is when it happened. Yeah, that's crazy. It came out 2019, but it got casted for 2018. We shot in the beginning of 2018, and yeah. then it came out a year later. I know this because in my own show I'm developing, I've gone through my own life. I know all the dates. I know, bro, I've been on this shit, dog. Right? So, uh, uh, so I was on Ray Dive in 2016, 2017, Ray Dive season five. Also did City of Lies at the time with Johnny Depp. And then I find out, I'm not coming back, yeah. 2018. When I got Lolo, it was the, it was <laughs> just the title in itself, <laughs> right? It was so relative to how I was feeling at that time, you know? And, and then reading the story about like, you know, hit, hitting such a Lolo and hitting yeah, rock bottom that the, at least the only way from here is up. Yeah, yeah. Was such a message that I loved. That's why I fucking loved Lolo and being a part of it, bro. Because at that time frame of my life, man, like I felt low, bro. I was like, damn, like I'm not coming back. Like I'm starting to think I'm like I'm not working. Like I'm like, what's going on in my life right now? I feel like everything was so unpromised, you know. But you know, it goes back to when you stay consistent with the work. When you when you have like a routine. A routine you're like no every day i gotta get better every day i gotta improve every day i gotta find a way to just to be a little bit better than yesterday you're gonna have a longevity career and you're gonna end up outworking and passing up all the people that at some point get what they want and they stop going for more oh dude some of the most talented people i know are just stuck dude they just stuck because they just some of it was like god-given they just whether they got an amazing singing voice or something else and then mm -hmm. they just don't do anything with it i'm like Wait, you, you, gotta, wanna, you gotta challenge yourself. Yeah. You gotta be around people that also, um, that aren't yes men. Like, I, I love that you said Ali, for example. Like, she's somebody I know that's gonna tell you if you're on your shit or if you're not. Oh, right. Man. Yeah. We have, those people. we have fights about notes. She's like, no, this is not good enough. I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. Bro, <laughs> and, bro but that's, it's ideally, though, in a crazy way, it's healthy because even with me and my girl, man, like, her and I, like, I, she's added to my purpose in so many ways, even just with my own body, with becoming healthier, becoming better. But it's like, she'll challenge me in certain ways to make me better, right? So even if I'm, I used to be watching different podcasts or, you know, just before I started wanting to do this, she'd be like, hey, Don, you ever think about this for your podcast? Or think about it and throwing ideas, whatever. I'm like, oh, I rock with this. But it's like, uh, 
having a team of people, rather be friends, women, that, because women are men. If you have a team of people that comes to the people you're working with, someone you're in a relationship with, or someone you're doing business with, it's like being around people that will keep you accountable is like everything. Everything, and I feel like I can tell that how that really helps you out in your life because, again, you're always doing your shit, but then you have moments where, man, sometimes we just need that other spark, that other fire. Tether you have to have that we tether earlier. Someone who's there pulling you back. Yeah, and like yeah, like don't get comfortable. I always say pulling you back, not letting you fall off. Yeah, not letting you fall off. Absolutely. Yeah, that's even better. Yeah, not letting yeah. you fall off. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so right now, in terms of where you're going with life and your career and, and what you're manifesting, bro. Um, what's like your biggest goal as a filmmaker that you want to accomplish? Oh, man. I, you know, honestly, that, like no matter what, there's been times where I've visualized like, oh, you know, I want to win an award. I want to, that's yeah. not it. Yeah. It's not it. Mm. What, what I want to accomplish I like, is really sort of a, a I want to reach a, a look over my shoulder moment, you know, 20 years from now and see that I kept telling the stories I wanted to tell with the people that I love. I love that. That's it. And if, is the realization again, and maybe it's because I was in a, in a band for a while and, and you learn like, whether you're playing for 10 people or a thousand people, it do, doesn't get any better than that. Mm. It doesn't get any better than 10 people in a room. And if you think it does, that industry is not for you. Wow. You probably end up addicted to drugs or something because you're looking for something else. Wow. You're not, it doesn't get any better than Lolo. It just doesn't. Mm. I made, I got to, you know, I don't care if you love the movie, hate the movie, it doesn't matter. For me, as a creative person, I told the exact story I wanted to tell with <sighs> the exact people I wanted to tell it with. Mm. There was just so much love there. I, I was so proud of it. That's it. It's not going to get better than that. So, of course, would I love to not, you know, I want $10 million for the next movie. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. Love that. Would love to have that. Because, sure, it'd be great to have some days where I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. not <laughs> running around. Three hours to shoot. Miles an hour, three <laughs> hours to shoot. Yeah. Please. Please. Um, you know, but, but if I could just keep doing that, mm -hmm. if I just kept spending my life savings every couple of years to make another movie, that's it. I've done it. This is the dream. I'm living it. I have a great life. I love my life. Wow. It's not, you know, again, you know, talking about some of the most miserable people I know are the most successful people I know in terms of what we see as success. People that have Facts. accolades, tons of money, and they're mm -hmm. sad. They are mm -hmm. sad. There's no balance um, or harmonious inward. No, know. and and there's almost like a, in some cases, almost like a grappling guilt with do I deserve to be here mm. like I've gotten to, you, you for me I, I don't even and that's because there might have been focused on the destination like just I just want to stay here in the work I just want to keep writing I want to keep making films so you know if, if 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 I'm here 10 years from now and I'm still making movies with Ali great that's it that's what I want to be doing that's and you're going to be doing it, bro. Yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> you're going to be doing it, bro. I believe that. I, I, I feel like, let me ask you this. Do you prefer to make shows or movies? What do you like better? I love, you know, okay, so, I, I mean, I love, 
I probably prefer movies actually because you get to put it out and it's kind Mm -hmm. of this finite piece of Mm -hmm. art where like show can go out and evolve but also the tough part about shows politically and you know it's like think about this I've had two shows picked up at major networks right so one at CBS one at ABC one a half hour dark comedy one a one hour drama and and both those in the last you know like five years Um, and I'm getting ready to take a new show out uh, uh that I'm really excited about. You go out and pitch this, right? And you're pitching to like, if you got a lot of meetings, maybe you're pitching a total of 15 people, mm-hmm. okay? You don't know who the fuck these people are, Thanks. how they got this job, right? They're Thanks. a development executive at mm-hmm. some company and they, they might've got the job because their mom was the president of the company and mm-hmm. they don't know anything about storytelling. Absolutely. They might've got the job because, you know, maybe they're a film school student. They wanted to, I, I don't know. But there's all kinds of reasons why they can be a bad fit for you, not understand your concept, whatever. And and they're the gatekeepers. There's yeah. nothing you can do about it. Yep. Like, I mean, you can do the Issa Rae route, right? And go make 100 episodes of your own YouTube series to hope that one day, I mean, think of how many episodes she had to make before HBO like got smart. Like someone got smart. Facts. How many times have you seen Issa Rae even cast in someone else's movie? It's Facts. nuts. She's like Facts. insanely talented, She's right? Extremely like, talented. Uh, the, the actress uh, from you know Chewing Gum and uh, uh, I May Destroy You. I, I'm forgetting your name right now. Is like spectacular. It's like how is she not on every fight? This she should just be doing nothing but working. I saw her in the new Black Panther, you know, mm-hmm. film. But like, yep. it just goes to show you like there's not that many people out there really discovering talent, no. right? So the pitching on the television side is just such a slog. Mm. And then if no one picks it up, you just, what? You, you pitch it to 15 people and it's dead? You gotta keep going. Yeah, well you gotta keep going. But I'm saying, well, for the film, mm. what's dope is you get to make it. Yeah. You can make the film and put the finished product out in front of people, to not see. just in those rooms. Yeah. People get to see it. That's what Issa Rae did, right? Mm-hmm. That, then, then you really, it's the only place where this industry is a meritocracy is like, and it's because of things like YouTube, mm-hmm. like it or not, and places that where people can watch content essentially for free is instead of, you know, just getting whatever the studio is shoving down your throat. Yep. Uh, you are actually getting to reach audiences. I mean, we had kids from Brazil sending me, you know, Instagram messages going, I pirated 1-800-HOT-NIGHT, I'm sorry, but I love the movie. It's the, my favorite movie of the year, and, and this connected with me, and I wish I could hey, meet you. And it feels ass. special, and you're like, good, man, I'm glad. I don't mm. care if you pirated the movie. I would have fucking sent it to you if mm. you would have told me. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you a DVD. Facts. 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 <laughs> but good for you. you know, it wasn't available in Brazil yet, I get it. Because uh, um, I watched that shit, though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, mm. but that's what I love about films, mm. and, and, and they have that, that contained... You know, and again, similar to like writing a song. When I was in a band, I could write a song and I knew I could perform it in front of people. Yeah. Maybe 10 people, but I could perform it. Yeah. When you're out pitching the show, you may not, you know, it's really hard. It, to- it's, you know, I'm learning a lot even with, you know, the show that me and my dad are doing, even with my own projects that like, sorry to say, like for me, like I, I love shows, right? Yeah. I love uh, uh, like seasons of like one hour dramas just because of, it's almost like a like a never-ending second act. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's so much to evolve, and it's like uh, for longevity, right? But then 
there's things about movies, like when a movie is done really well, the way it sets with you, like when I saw Elvis. Yeah. Love the biopic. There's so many times I see biopics, I'm like, ah, uh, like, I just, I just, this movie I love. I was never a fan of Elvis. Yeah. Elvis used to really annoy me because every time I go to Vegas, I see all these fake costumes, and I'm like, what's this thing with this guy Elvis, bro? Like, I didn't know about Elvis. <laughs> right, right. Learning about it through the film and how they told the story, I was like, that's sick. That's awesome. But it's really interesting learning you know, in the process of pitching a show, in the process of pitching a movie, how much shit you got to go through on the back end and how, you know what, and how, you know how there's clout chasers in yeah. social media? Yeah. These studios and these, these, these people in these, these chairs um, do the same thing. It's like, who's attached? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What are the numbers looking like? Can this, can this sell domestically, internationally? You know, where's the ROI going to come from? Like, talks about all these things where it's like, you have to really look at this from, it's like when you walk into a room, I remember you told me this a long time ago, when you walk into a room, you have to have pretty much like an answer ready for every no. Yeah. yeah. No, for like, for, it, for every time they say that this isn't gonna work, you have to have a response on why it would. Yeah. And then also, also love how you talked about pitching. You know, I remember, cause this is how I go to things now, where it's like, no one can ever pitch a story like you if it's something that's about you. Yeah, yeah. It's your story. I never forgot that you told me that. You know what I'm saying? Because it's real. It's like, like the moment they think, yeah, I could hire some, yeah, good concept, but someone else could write this. Someone who's already written a show for us, you're out. But if they can't think of someone else that can write the show, they're like, man, Dom's the only one who can tell the story. Now you got a story. Mm. They can't replace you, man. You're irreplaceable. That's your story. You know, that's right. I, that's exactly right. It, mm. It's, and that's that's pitching. That's that, like secret sauce you got to yeah. find in each pitch, right? It's mm -hmm. like, why am I the best person in the world for to this, tell this story? Tell the story. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, like when I was telling the story about the Jamaican show, I can understand why an executive would look at me and go, you are not the best person to tell a story about anything Jamaican. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, of course I'm not. I totally get that. Mm -hmm. That's why I went and met this Jamaican filmmaker here, yeah, yeah, yeah. producer who's been on the streets. <laughs> So he's like, like Casa take over. He's you like, know? yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> Again, it, it, you're too far gone that way. But it was, it's a, it was a point though where I recognize, I'm like, yeah, and we've seen a lot of that. There's a lot of being put in boxes lately where like people, you know, I'm sure you see it with Power of the Dog, right? Benedict Cumberbatch, he was, there were some critiques of like, well, you're not gay and you're playing a gay man. Right? Mm -hmm. We have to be careful too though about the boxes you're putting people in because then are you saying with that logic, and someone decided to reverse that and say, well, then a gay man can't play a straight man. Well, now we got a big problem. You got a major problem. We should not be doing that. No, nope, you get rid of those creative world, people yeah. should be able to act. It's acting. Yes. People yes, should be you, able to if act. If that's the stuff you want to do, do it. No, if you're doing a bad, like, if, you you're, if you're doing some, like, bad caricature. Then absolutely. I can say why it gets ridiculed. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because now it's, it's a misrepresentation of that community and that culture. Yeah. Correct. So similarly, yeah. if, you, you know, if you're if you're having uh, uh, you would never hire a, a Hispanic man to play a Japanese actor, just not gonna do it. Yeah, it's weird, a. Eh? Yeah, but it's happened. Yeah. where where like mm -hmm. Scarlett Johansson got cast in what was supposed to be like a, a an Asian role or something, mm -hmm. and, and you're like, whose idea was? It? I think James Franco's like just got cast to play Castro in some movie, oh, and you're shit. like, eh, it's like this thing too. <laughs> they cast like you know even. Uh, uh, like white people to be Middle Eastern. 
You know what I'm saying? Do like playing like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. it's like, it's like, it's like, if you're gonna do something, do it to that role without trying to sugarcoat it or making it Hollywood's version of what that role or stereotype is. That and that I understand, but yes, yeah. there is kind of a minefield now that you are trying to be aware of. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I, I think it's a good thing in most cases. But then there's also like the the part where you're going, well, now you're just like parsing people out, right? There was. Uh, um, Catherine Bigelow was in an interview, you know, she's directed some of the most like masculine movies ever, Point Break, mm-hmm. Hurt Locker, mm-hmm. you know, she's- I Love Hurt Locker. You know, she's just, she's mm-hmm. a gangster, she's mm-hmm. the best, you know, she's so, so amazing at her job. And someone was talking about like, well, you could say this about Lola, well, Nick, why are you, what, who, who do you think you are to write four female characters and tell this female story? Mm-hmm. You should be a woman who writes and directs this. Catherine Bigelow was confronted with a question similar to that mm-hmm. about, and she's like, well, if that's the case, then I wouldn't have been able to make Point Break or Hurt Locker. If we're, if we're, she goes, so no. Yeah. Men should be writing roles for women. And women can write roles. And women for should write roles for men. I, I love, I love the analogy that you use where I said, look, even if you're uh, straight, you should be able to play gay. If you're gay, you should be able to play straight. Like, just don't put these parameters on creativity or creating an idea when it's supposed to be about that vision. You know what I'm saying? Um, Dude, I'm just so stoked just to have you on here today. I feel like you really brought so much value in terms of just talking about the ebb and flows of, of what it takes to be successful as a filmmaker in this game and what, you're, what are you willing to sacrifice in order to actually get the vision done? What are you willing to let go of attachment-wise to fulfill purpose so it can bring in bigger opportunities. And I feel like you're such a great representation of that. You know, you really, you really put everything on the line to get this done. And, and, and it's like now you're getting so much benefits from, you know, the, 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 the reviews, from the people seeing it, from the awards, from all these things with 1-800-HOT NIGHT. And, and on top of that, I know you're working on another project and now you're getting calls from the people that you originally were seeing for the people you want. Like now everything's starting to come to you now. How good does that feel? Oh, it's great. Awesome. I mean, yeah, it feels good. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, like, yeah, it's nice. Sometimes <laughs> it's nice not to have to, you know, you know, feel like you have to run an ultra marathon just to get one thing moving, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, sometimes it's, it's, it's kind of a sweet uh, moment when it falls in your lap. <laughs> uh, dude, I'm so proud of you, man. It's, it's again, and I'm, I'm so have thankful to Honestly, I've even met and developed a friendship with you, man. Again, he's the one that gave me opportunity in Lolo, you know, in this movie. This was awesome. It really brought out some amazing friendships and relationships out of this project. And I think it's all, again, a reflection of you, bro. It's a reflection of the energy you you, you operate with, how you carry yourself, and even the people that you brought together in that team. It all stems up from who put it together, and it shows a reflection of character, bro. You know, and um, I just really want to commend you on that and just... Again, say thank you, man. And uh, if there's anything you're working on next, you got coming up, man, please let them know what's going on, where they can follow you at, and, uh, you know. I will. Yeah, please. Yeah, come. come. Uh, well, you know, Instagram's pretty much all I really use, so it's just Nick Ritchie 8 <laughs> uh, uh, And I just kind of keep everything updated there. And, and uh, we got, like I said, I got this new movie, Bits, Body, and Bones. Uh, I'm, it's in pre-production now, and there'll hopefully be some what kind of industry announcements on it soon. So I got to kind of keep some things under wraps, but uh, I like that. Yeah. Please watch Lolo on Paramount plus uh, 1-800-HOT NIGHTS available, you know, anywhere you can buy or, or rent movies and, and uh, 
will probably be available uh, streaming soon and, and uh, will also be available in like 15 or 16 other countries here pretty soon. Woo. Man, I can't wait till I can just say that. <laughs> <laughs> just on the other end, bro. Like, I got this. Go watch this. Like, man, like, good shit, man. Thank you so much for coming on today, bro. Dude, thanks so much. I man. appreciate you, man. Hell yeah. All right, y'all. That was another episode of Inspire to Inspire. Make sure to tune in, like, subscribe. You already know this is the place for filmmakers, actors, and content creators to connect to and connect the dots in your own journey, man. We'll see y'all next time.